uh, yeah, I, I was gonna say we we just became best friends because let me even throw it back is uh when I saw that video, I was like, yo. Welcome back to Growing Up Punk, the podcast about punk rock and all of its friends. My name is David. My friend is Aaron. This episode is another one in our Discovering series. And this time I had the opportunity to chat with Alex Ibarra, uh, lead singer, guitar player in the band Ridgeway. Uh, They've got a couple of records out, a couple of full lengths. And they actually took home one of our guppies last year. So if you haven't listened to our Best of 2021 episode, uh, also known as the Guppies 2021, you can go do so and find out just exactly which award they took home. But... Obviously, I'm a fan of the band because I gave them an award and said, let's let's get you on the show. So we talk about some of those influences that uh, kind of lead into, play into his songwriting, as well as a couple of tracks from, uh, from Ridgeway themselves. We talk about, there's some guitar, tech, nerd, pedal talk in this episode, I guess you could say, uh, as well as, you know, introducing what introduced Alex to the world of punk and hardcore, stuff like that. Uh, it was a it was a really fun interview, really fun to get to sit down and chat with him. Uh, so that's coming up in just a moment. But let's get some housekeeping out of the way first. Of course, go follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram at Growing Punk Pod. You'll find links to my Twitter and Instagram as well as as well as Aaron's Twitter and Instagram there. Uh, if you want to support us, throw a couple bucks a month our way, get early access to episodes and potentially some bonus episodes in the future. You can find us on Patreon. Uh, we greatly appreciate any of the support that we get. If you, if you don't want to throw a couple bucks our way, that's perfectly awesome and fine, too. Uh, if you want to share the episodes, share the show with your friends. Help it grow a little bit. That's amazing as well. So you can uh, you can do that um, and, and then leave us a rating and review. Simple as that. All that, you know, cliche podcast jargon stuff. But let's get into the interview now. Uh, this is my conversation uh, with Alex Ibarra discovering Ridgeway. remember like that first band that kind of or album song whatever the case may be that introduced you to to the world of punk and hardcore okay so uh i feel like there's a precursor to it because uh the first thing that really got me into rock and roll in general was the band kiss okay yeah yeah, Um, yeah. and i'm actually wearing a kiss sweater right now which is very (laughs) funny um so that was my first introduction when i was around uh like six or seven my uncle showed me kiss and had all he had a bunch of kiss shirts and a bunch of memorabilia and uh so that was like the first rock band that got me into the world of guitar music yeah um but then shortly after that like i uh think it it was uh probably like around 2003 i really dove into like My Chemical Romance, sure, yeah, and Green Day and Good Charlotte. Okay, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, I had just figured out how to use the internet, <laughs> and I went to like these bands' websites, and they would often have like a little media player, yeah, where you can watch their music videos or stream their songs. So that that three bands in particular, like, really um, bumped it up, and they would be more punk than Kiss. 
Sure, yeah. Um, so, yeah, but then I feel like every year, I uh, since then, I've uh, had a deep love for a new band that, like, really just showed me more a whole new world, you know? Yeah. I mean, like, it's interesting because, especially at that time, Green Day, and then, obviously, My Chemical Romance, like, they kind of got into that more theatrical showman side of rock of punk uh so like the the kind of tie-in like with kiss just being that you know kind of straightforward four chord rock and roll that's just you know um get up there and sing along there's i i feel like there's actually a lot of crossover there that could work you know it's just like play things simple and loud and then bands like kiss and green day and mike m like want to make it look cool yeah, make it look cool. There you go. I mean, I've never, you know, I've never had the desire to paint my face, but why not? You know, like it was something that was uh, for sure very uh, memorable and for, I'm, I'm sure from their angle, very marketable. But uh, yeah, no, that's that's cool. Is that so like was Kiss or those bands, were they kind of the 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 catalyst for you wanting to pick up a guitar or play music too? Um, so I think... You know, I, uh, it's just been the story for me since I was born was like, yo, this kid's going to be a musician. Sure. Um, and it wasn't really even up to me. Like mostly like my grandma, her brother was a, uh, and she had a, my grandma had a huge part in raising me. Her brother was a musician and, uh, you know, it's like, we're going to put these kids in sports and we're going to, they're going to do music too. And, uh, so I was put into playing piano when I was five years old. Hmm. Um, so that start, it was like, yeah, it was no question about music is going to be a huge part of my life. Um, but really what made me passionate about it was like electric guitars. And the yeah. when those got introduced to me. Yeah. Was there, was there something, was it just like at that time, was it, I just want to play it as loud as I can, or was it, you know, like hearing a guitar part that was layered in effects because you guys like for your sound, you, you know, your guitars are soaked in, in reverb and delay and stuff like that. So it's not like you're just up there playing just as loud as you can. There's different elements to it. So like back at the beginning, was it give me that electric guitar and turn it up as loud as I can or a little more experimental? Well, well you know, there's it goes in. Uh, so I uh, my uh, my house growing up had a grand piano that like, mm. I mentioned my grandma's brother he like refinished pianos his whole life. It's like a real deep bond with these grand pianos in my family. So I grew up always having a piano to play on. And I was like, I want to, I want to play guitar. Like, you know, I, I really want to like do uh, rock music. So I mm-hmm. asked for like, a guitar for Christmas one year. And then uh, I got sorely disappointed because I ran upstairs with a little tot and underneath the Christmas tree, was an acoustic guitar <laughs> and i i just I didn't even realize like that that was an option <laughs> sure yeah yeah you know so it like for a year there i had an acoustic guitar and it made me so sad and uh i look back and it was one of those things where it's like dang i was such a brat i was so ungrateful <laughs> you know yeah i was like this is not what i wanted <laughs> yeah um but i eventually did uh i got a an electric guitar and an amp yeah um probably through some mischievous activities on my dad's part sure, which that's yeah. a whole other story <laughs> but uh it was a pb predator a guitar and a fender princeton amp not like the really nice princeton's but right. like the 90s princeton's yeah, yeah yeah and um 
oh, it was so badass. I <laughs> and I, yeah, from there I just started straight straight into the classics. You know, like yeah. uh, "Come as You Are," some ACDC licks, sure. and some uh, uh, the Black Sabbath one. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, how old would you have been at this time that you started playing electric guitar? When I got the electric guitar, I'm pretty sure it was uh, when I was eight or nine. Okay, yeah, yeah. So that's actually pretty young. Like, I, I play guitar myself, but I didn't start playing until I was probably 13, 14. But, like, my, it's funny. So um, when you were talking about getting your first electric and the amp and stuff, it reminded me. So the first, I guess it was the first guitar I ever had. The first one I had was an electric. Like, I had borrowed someone's acoustic for a little bit when I was first wanting, mm-hmm. to, wanting to learn. But the first one I owned was this electric guitar that my parents bought for me. I don't know what the equivalent store would be in the States because I don't know. Maybe it was, did you guys have Sears in the States? Yeah. 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 Okay. So, um, so it was from Sears, like it was in their mail order catalog and it came and it was just like this really shitty guitar, really shitty amp, whatever. But it came with a guitar strap that to this day is still the guitar strap. Like one of the guitar straps I use when playing guitar, because it was like, made out of a seatbelt material and it's just held up really well over the years so every time i pull it out i'm like i've legit had this thing for like 25 years like to me your like, entire musical uh yeah existence. yeah like obviously the guitar and stuff is long gone but that that guitar strap stuck around so uh, and i always liked it because i mean i, I don't know what your view on guitar straps is but i just remember like which is a weird question but um growing up like friends always having like these like bright like lightning bolt guitar straps or you know the the classic one that is like police tape or whatever looking stuff yeah i was just always like i love that mine is just black it's just plain like i don't need people asking me about my guitar strap except here i've had it for 25 plus years but uh um that's awesome so like when, when you first started playing guitar how long was it before you uh, kind of like started writing songs or wanting to start a band. Okay, so uh, so I, yeah, I got that guitar probably around like fourth grade, eight or nine, um, and then that, that's also like you know for me that was like the year Green Day released American Idiot, right. um, and uh, then Mike Hem released uh, uh, Three Cheers that year, the year mm-hmm. before, yeah. and then. Um, also, Good Charlotte, well, they had released like Young and the Hopeless that year, yeah. the year before. But like, I just wasn't there with those songs on the albums I loved. I could not really. I was like, how do they make their guitar sound like that? Right. Yeah. But then again, my hands were tiny, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, it's like a very obvious now. But um, I think like once I went into middle school, which was when I was like 11 and 12, I was like, when I was 12, seventh grade, I had already been going to like shows and warp tour and I was like forcing my friends to like, you're in my band. Like how hardcore are you? (laughs) Yeah. And it's so funny because I had like three bands in middle school that just had maybe one song amongst all three bands. Right. Um, But actually in, so my brother and I both played saxophone and we picked that up like around, 10 going into middle school so we can join band class and stuff Mm. and uh the middle school band teacher had like typically schools have like a a jazz band after school class yeah yeah 
Um, but our teacher was kind of young and hip, and uh, his name was Mr. Perez, and he had a he just called it rock band, right. and um, he would get a little group of kids together, and he'd be like, "What songs do you guys want to play?" And uh, they just like be like, "Oh, this, that." And my brother, like, he mentioned an Offspring song, and like, yeah. they played like uh, a Paramore song. So my brother was telling me about this, and so I just like when I went into middle school, you couldn't join it till it was seventh grade. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, I am going to join rock band. <laughs> and uh i'm going to learn how to like be in a that's going to be my band because yeah. um and i'm gonna pick the songs and i i did i like i picked a like real big fish like we nice. i made yeah. them learn a sell out <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> and so yeah that was super fun and like that really like that little group developed by a teacher helped me like totally understand how rock music worked compared sure, to yeah. just like fiddling around in uh on a guitar you know yeah did you guys end up like with that was it the classic because was school of rock out at that point in time the movie um oh there were some schools of rock but like not really at all yeah yeah but like no sorry the movie with jack black was it out school of rock you know it had to be like right around the same time because i was gonna say did you guys end up playing like with that rock band class was there any like battle of the bands or anything that you got to play or was it all just kind of within the confines of the school you know on a wednesday afternoon or whatever the big thing was like uh, the teacher did organize a couple gigs for the rock band and one of them was like the uh the eighth grade awards (laughs) like so it's like you're graduating middle school and you can and they i rent out a church or something nearby and like uh so the the rock band plays that and there was like one more I think maybe then uh, uh, that you just played the classic recital. There was like a rock band in the middle of like the seventh grade and the sixth grade band, you know? <laughs> Got to break it up somehow. <laughs> and also, I just want to mention that, uh, okay, so the band uh, Fall Out Boy, they had that song Dance Dance. Yeah. And that, when I was in sixth grade, my brother was in eighth grade. That was the song that they played at the recital. And oh my gosh, like I couldn't tell you like how much that drum beat, that intro, right? Like boom, ka, boom, ka, yeah, yeah. Ka, boom, ka, it changed my life. Like that made me understand a rhythm, and it still does. That is the most important beat that I've ever heard. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I mean it's it's memorable, and it's the fact that it just kicks a song off too. Great song. Um, my dog is barking upstairs. <laughs> I'm like hoping he settles down. We got a we got a puppy. He likes Fall Out Boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a huge Fall Out Boy fan. <laughs> no, he's like supposed to be chilling out right now, but I'm hoping he, he mellows out. But um, yeah, so doing rock band in school. At what point in time? Like, were you? How long was it before you formed Ridgeway, the band? Now, well, okay, so Ridgeway this year is 10 years old it's kind of Holy. unbelievable yeah very unbelievable because we're all very young still yeah um but i started ridgeway when i was 16 about to turn 17 right and um so yeah that was in 2012 mm-hmm. that's crazy 10 years so sorry how old did you say you were when you started it uh 16, 16. Okay, turning yeah. 17 it was the summer yeah so that's that's pretty impressive. Like, so I mean, there's a high school band that you've still got that going to this day. Um, I was actually first introduced to the band. We were talking a little bit about uh, 
there's on YouTube, there's a video of you guys playing at uh, Program Skate and Sound, which the whole reason I ended up watching that video the very first time is because I believe there's a set on YouTube where Fiddlehead played Program Skate and Sound as well, and it's just like a, a crazy show. And so when I saw you guys come across um, my YouTube feed, you know, same venue or whatever, I was like, oh, cool, I remember really enjoying this show. So I clicked on that one and started watching, and then... In uh, in it, you mentioned. I don't know if that was that that was that the release show for the album Marlowe, or you you mentioned in it anyway that this it album had to out. have been. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So because I know you've got like balloons behind you, I, I'm assuming it's kind of hard to tell with the camera angles, but I'm assuming it spells out Marlowe. Yeah, um, it does. Yeah. So so immediately I was like, oh, I stopped the show and I went on my phone, went on Apple Music and looked it up and added it and started listening to it. And uh, then I realized I actually had listened to your previous album, Give, which came out, I think that was 2019. Is that when that one came out? That Um, or 18, yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, weird. Like, so I've heard these guys. Interesting. And uh, so I started, you know, like listening to Marlo more and more. And then I kind of started feeling a little bit bad because I'm like, damn, this record is really good. Why did I not, like, what was it the first time? Because I actually recognized the artwork from Give. So I remember it caught my eye when I first added it. Because when I saw it, I was like, oh, yeah, I know who this band is. I've listened to them before. But for whatever reason, um, you know, music, new music especially, there's just so much, right? Like, constantly, especially with streaming services. Like, it's hard sometimes for things to stick. So um, Marlo did, and and I was like, so we actually, uh, on our year end show, we always, we, we do an episode at the end of the year where we share our favorite releases. And, uh, we decided this year, instead of just listing like number 10 to number one, uh, what our favorite picks were, we decided to like make up awards for each of the albums. And so the, uh, the, the award, I believe I gave your album was the, uh, sorry, I didn't like you sooner award or something <laughs> like that because I had actually listened to you and, and it didn't, you know, for whatever reason, I just didn't come back to it. But uh, I, I have for sure now. So um, the fact that you guys are still going, or I shouldn't say still going, but you're a high school band. Ten years later, you've got a couple full lengths. You've got a hand, well, I guess not a handful of EPs, but you got, a, I think, three EPs, I think I counted or something like that. Yeah. Like, you've been going for a while. Um, I want to know, when it comes to writing songs in the band is that something like are you bringing a a pretty well-constructed idea to the band or is it more writing on the spot bits and pieces um so i typically i really like to get like uh most of the chunk written in a singer songwriter style like yo this is like is a good idea for an intro Here's how a verse can go. And I'm thinking we can go into like a chorus like this. Right. Or something like that. Because I know like the album Give doesn't even have one chorus on it. Um, yeah. So yeah. it's mostly like that. Um, and especially Marlo was incredibly like that because had a lot of time when the pandemic hit to like really mm-hmm. just like write the songs in my room and then send off demos and then, uh, then collaborate with the band. Right. But, I definitely like, you know, I'm a singer songwriter at heart and I like to like build that base before we start bringing stuff in. But that doesn't mean I'm closed off to like other approaches because yeah, now I'm like, I'm super open to 
doing whatever and like i know the rest of the band we all write music and we all want to like uh contribute in different ways and just make it fun and interesting mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so you mentioned the pandemic there did that um how did the, i guess how does a band go through the pandemic like obviously you had a release in 2019 so it wasn't like a release year that kind of got you know skewed for you too too much but were you guys off for a large chunk were you able to find shows here and there to play yeah so um I'll preface. I'll talk about talk about 2019. So, we it was our first time we had a legit album that we were super proud of, a full yeah. length. Yeah. And uh, so, so and we are a completely self managed DIY band, even to this day, to right. uh, for the most part. And uh, so we recorded in January, and while we were in the studio, I was booking a full U.S. tour for April. I was like, we're going to be gone four weeks. No one knows who we are. I'm pretty sure we had like under 100 monthly listeners at that time right? Yeah. on Spotify. And like, but we've been doing DIY tours forever. So I'm like, it doesn't matter. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah. we can go and like uh, knock the socks off these places if we try. Yeah. And um, so we go out into the open world and we make no money for a whole month and we get back. And then we just play local gigs. But then, uh, then like, you know, it took like the summer and the winter, a bunch of people were just like, oh, yeah, Ridgeway, Ridgeway. Like, it was like very slowly making its like bleed across mm-hmm. the people that we have played to on the nationwide tour. Yeah. And then, uh, and then so then we did a bigger tour 2020. Um, that was like west coast and uh like southwest yeah and uh yo the shows were amazing like it was like hey people are figuring it out people know yeah and like people in these different towns we're returning to like they're they're here to see ridgeway you know? yeah freaking sick yeah. and um so that was january of 2020 and the world ended essentially yeah, yeah. the first week of march yeah so we were like uh we were kind of cut off from like well like yo everything's just getting really sick we're starting to pack out places you know right so that's where the pandemic started for us um so kind of then like we were just like all right uh head to the like balls to the wall it's like just get riding it's all we can do really yeah yeah so then uh through that whole summer Okay, so I got a laptop, and I got Interface, and for the first time, we started, like, demoing out songs, mm-hmm. like, digitally, and sending them to each other and working on them, and I was, like, working on melodies, and we were getting together um, pretty often, and we uh, we even, like, we rented a cabin in um, Lake Arrowhead, which is a mountain here in Southern California, and uh, we went there for a week, and we demoed the entire record, drums, bass, everything loud. And <laughs> that's where we, like, created Marlowe. Yeah. And it was, like, um, you know, it was very different. It was, like, wow, this is, like, a weird kind of quirky pop record compared to, like, the shoegaze, math rock, like, emo record that Give was. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, but we're, like let's just uh, let's just go for it like let's just let's put this down 
and we'll refine it with when we get to uh, Colorado. That's where our producer Corey lives. Okay, yeah. And uh, and like I'm like we were like Corey really had a hand in uh, guiding us with Give, mm-hmm. and but then when we got there with our demos completely ready, in my head they were like sixty percent ready. Corey just said, "You guys did all the hard work. Let's just go. Like nice. let's just make it." And I was like, "Really." <laughs> like you don't have any like, 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 like we're not gonna like where are the changes like he made like a couple changes to like one track really yeah but, yeah uh he had confidence in our creative like ability with this last record and like that gave us confidence in what it was yeah yeah. and that's uh awesome. so yeah that, that's how our pandemic pretty much went there you go i'm just gonna go talk to my dog real quick <laughs> okay perfect <laughs> i'll be right i'll be right back give me two secs yeah as long as I don't get hooked up on headphones. <laughs> okay. Hopefully he'll relax now. <laughs> okay, cool. He's like five months, so he's he's pretty little. Pretty energetic. <laughs> yes, yeah. Well, and he's like, usually there's someone like hanging out with him right now. So he's like, what's going on? The house is so quiet. Um, <laughs> anyway, so... Uh, yeah, what about I, I so the idea with um this kind of series of episodes we're doing is obviously to kind of introduce maybe newer bands to our listeners. And we thought one one way that would be kind of fun and interesting is to get you guys to bring a couple uh like influential bands and songs that kind of influenced your sound. So I'm interested to hear kind of uh when we get into these two songs, these two artists, um you know, kind of how that played out in, cause I can, I can definitely hear some things. So first and foremost, uh, the band Pinback and the song Crutch.
I'd never actually heard, I don't think, of this band before. Maybe if I dig into really? more. Yeah, maybe if I dig into more of the library, maybe there'd be something that kind of jumps out that I go, oh, actually, I have heard this. This specific song and album, I was kind of uh, flipping through it a little bit. Um, they definitely kind of have a, you know, a late late 90s early 2000s like indie vibe i think like reminded me of some stuff that i you know kind of listened to back around that time but when so when did you first get into the band pinback so uh with pinback it's um so when i first heard them was uh when i was thick into like the 2010 pop punk scene okay and i was uh you know i was probably like a freshman or sophomore in high school and uh the band the story so far Mm -hmm. put out Mm -hmm. an ep and one of the songs was a cover of pinback uh the song lauro okay and uh automatically i was like whoa whoa this song is i didn't know it was a cover at first i was like this is so smooth and repetitive and uh catchy and bouncy but mellow right um so i fell in love with that and then uh and like a bunch of my other friends liked it too um i think it was the lesser popular song of that release from the story so far um because i think the other song was clairvoyant which became like one of their huge songs right I think yeah. like their most popular song i believe yeah and um so but i fell in love with that song lauro and then pretty fast like uh it was like oh yeah that's pinback and like the guitar player of my band Wyatt was like he told me this is pinback yeah they're really cool like you got like really like their versions even better you know because i was right. like some of the friends in my group were too cool for pop punk and stuff like <laughs> so like, no, like they're like a 90s band they're awesome and uh yeah. that was right when i was bridging the gap of like i was liking lots of pop punk and like easy core and like warped sure. stuff yeah. into um 90s influence bands because i was just discovering like tiger's jaw title fight mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and like that scene oh, yeah. that's when i put it all together that i was like yo the 90s yeah like has such a cool sound that's like was never um super commercialized right like, the melodic punk pretty much yeah yeah actually and, this, uh, you you remind this this piece right here is actually from Tiger's Jaw on my wall. I was like, wait a second. Oh, that's super cool. Yeah, I was trying to think. No, I don't have any title fight on here. But uh, yeah, those, man, those two bands, I could listen to them for. Tiger's Jaw is an interesting one for me real quick because I've said this before. I'm like, when I first heard them, I was kind of like, ah, okay, like they're fine. You know, there's nothing. They're good. They're okay. <laughs> and then uh, I think it was like, watching must have been like videos on youtube acoustic performances of some of their songs and then i was like oh these songs are really good and you know i kind of get past the because i think what i was looking for when i first heard them because musically they remind me a lot of like the get up kids and like that 90s you know sort of emo scene that was going on in the late 90s early 2000s but vocally i always just found they were so like I guess mellow. I always said they, they sound like a polite version of the Get Up Kids, which is hilarious because the Get Up Kids aren't, you know, impolite in any way. There's nothing overly offensive about their music. But yeah. Uh, and so then hearing those songs acoustically, I was just like, oh, now I get it. And then from there on out, they're just a nice, like, slow burn, I think. They're really, they're so good. But sorry, sorry to interrupt. You just, you, you 
caught my ear when you're talking about Tiger's jaw and, uh, and title fight. But so back to pinback. Uh, let me uh, talk a little bit about Tiger's jaw real quick. Because, yeah, let's uh, do it. <laughs> when uh, see the, because those bands are also just so influential to me. Yeah. Like, in like, like I said, introducing me to that sound. Uh, when I uh, so I think I was like a junior or something, and like I w- I met like my first girlfriend um, in high school, and I was telling her I was like, oh, like you should listen to the Wonder Years and the mm-hmm. story so far and like telling her about pop punk music. And she's like, Oh, that's cool. Like they're kind of like tiger's jaw. Right. And I, and I remember I just lied and I was like, Oh yeah, <laughs> they're like tiger's jaw. I like tiger's jaw. And like, and I just completely lied, pretended to be in on it. And then like that night I went home and I listened to tiger's jaw. Yeah. And my first thought was, Whoa, yeah. These singers suck. Yeah. <laughs> like these singers are really bad. Uh, but how I is love it, it how is it sounding so good? Right. Like that it kind of just blew my mind. And that when... was literally like around the same time Ridgeway was starting. Okay. And that band like gave me the confidence to like fuck it. Just just, just belt it. Just sing. <laughs> they're they're an interesting band because like recently, semi recently, I was going back through like some of their earlier stuff. And I had like I was like whoa like this is kind of a very different sounding band from where they are now like they're obviously a lot more you know like well practiced and polished right like oh yeah uh, and now like one of the things I love most about them is how their voices work together but like that some of that earlier stuff so I'm curious what 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 album maybe you were listening to at the time for that initial because. Yeah, that's that's funny. <laughs> yeah, it's just like I was like, okay, they're all because it was like Brianna, Ben, and um, yeah. Adam was in the band on the earlier records, just going for it. Yeah, and then another thing that like drew me to them is like, yo, they are all these songs are just campfire chords. Yeah, like yeah. it's just mm-hmm. A minor, G, F, D. Yeah. yeah, and that kind of like was completely uh, different than what I was into when I was learning like a music that was similar to like four years strong and set your right. goals. Yeah. Very drop D core. Yeah. 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 Um, so they just drew me right back into the world of like songwriting and like, they totally yeah. showed me the way. <laughs> oh yeah. And like that, that going, going back to what I was saying about, you know, really being sold on them with acoustic performances of their songs, because it was just that you could see how strong the songs really are you mentioned the story so far there uh, recently recently uh briefly that's the word i was looking for have you listened to parker's project he's got going now no pressure um i definitely know of them and their sound yeah and i think i've checked it out once or twice but i'm not too well versed in it but it's cool oh man i i don't i've watched probably way too many uh Cause like these days people are putting up sets on YouTube. Like you could literally go on tour with a band because someone is going to record that set and you can just follow along. But, uh, and they all, you know, typically sound pretty good, but I've been watching a number of their sets. They're just fun. Cause like they've only got, you know, 15 minutes worth of original music. Uh, so they throw, it's always fun seeing what covers they're going to throw in there. They've covered, uh, Blink-182, Fallout Boy, Rancid, uh, they covered Gorilla Biscuits, uh, Floor Punch, I think. Like, just, like, all these kind of, like, different, you know, wide array of bands. They're so much fun to watch. But um, they they weren't on your list for influences. So why why did you pick the song Crutch specifically by Pinback? Yeah, so, oh, God, honestly, 
that bass in the beginning is so catching. Mm-hmm. Like it is like a lure to my ears and uh-huh. I, they can go wherever they want with the rest of that song, yeah. that big buzzy bass. That's I'm pretty sure it's like it, it hits, it hits chords right. and it's just emotional. That is like, that makes me love that song so much. And, uh, then I'm a sucker for simple drum beats. Like it just comes in so simple. And then like another thing about the song that like, um, that is so unique and catchy is they're like buzzing on a kazoo (laughs) in the chorus or something like that. Right. Like this, like, and it adds the, I would have never picked that aspect to add to the song, but it like, really brightens it up it's like the cherry on top i'd say sure. yeah yeah that's that's awesome i'm gonna go back and listen to it now and see if i can like i've maybe now i'm because i'm thinking about it because i did take note in listening to it i didn't think a kazoo i just thought it was like some some synth line that was you know just a very specific synth sound but now i want to go back and listen to it with the ear thinking like it's a kazoo and see if i hear that i think it's a kazoo because yeah. there's like synth in the song as well there's right like, they have a lot of that in there, but with that specific, like when the chorus comes in and it's like this memory of you, there's just like a. <laughs> I'm gonna right go listen to it. it, and yeah. it is so it's so charming. Oh yeah. god, I'm gonna go back to that and listen to it um, specifically for that. But uh, the next uh, song that you picked was Guster and their song Satellite.
my initial reaction to this song is because uh, Guster's a band that I've been familiar with, haven't listened to a ton, but their name's been around for a long time, right? They're one of those bands that, like, I, I, I went to college with a guy and his favorite band was Guster. And I was like, yeah, I, I know who that is, but never listened to them. But um, holy smokes, does this song give me Elliot Smith vibes? I don't oh, know. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I, I love it very much <laughs> I, don't know where I, was, I don't know where i was going with that but um have you heard like their sort of like i guess reworking of the song that they just released oh you know i was waiting for it and i yeah. knew they were doing the release of that album i don't think i've heard the reworking of it yet though. yeah well uh, so is there an album coming out because all i saw was the single and it's called work of art which it's basically just like the chorus i guess he kind of like repeats it and sings that that refrain over and over again kind of over more i guess it's electronic elements but you know it's not like dancing or anything by any means but um i just happened to it was funny because i i was listening to this song satellite and i just happened to go to their page on apple music i was like oh they just released something i don't know if it was last year or was it just literally a couple weeks i think it was just a couple weeks ago maybe even just one week ago um now i gotta look it up but uh they it's funny because so i was sitting there listening to it and i'm like what why do I know this song? Like, this is blowing my mind because it didn't dawn on me, you know, right away. Yeah, it just came out. It didn't dawn on me right away that this was just like basically the chorus or whatever of Satellites. I'm like, oh, well, this is kind of cool. So if you haven't checked it out yet, you should go look it up. But um, Definitely, yeah. Yeah. When did, you, when did you first get into Guster? So this is a funny story. It's a – so while I'm in the pandemic – um. And I am writing the songs for Marlowe. I'd say I'm maybe ha- halfway through, you know, hmm. writing a chunk. Probably I have four songs written and demoed. I wrote the intro track, just the verse and the melody, um, A Night in Your Head. Yeah. And um, I call my best friend and our tour manager, Isabel. And I'm like, hey, uh, do you have a second? Can you listen to this? Like, like I feel like I'm ripping off some '90s song, <laughs> like, and like, I really can't put my uh, my finger on it. Like this melody, like is it like Joan Osborne, or like <laughs> is it like a Cranberry song? So me and her for the next four hours, and I just kept on playing her the acoustic chords and the the first verse, the yeah. words, the melody. Yeah. And I was like, Can we, let's find it. I, 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 I want to figure it out because this is really bugging me. Yeah. And uh, we went through like best alternative songs of the 90s and early 2000s lists, like right. multiple, multiple, multiple for so long. And in this process, Isabel's just like, it's not Guster, is it? And I was just like, what? I've never even heard of that band. Are you, did you say Duster? <laughs> and then she's like, no, Guster. She's like, my dad likes that band. Oh, and <laughs> I uh, I looked it up and I was like, oh, what's their hit? And like, I know nothing about the song. The first song I clicked was Satellite. I can tell you, I wasn't ripping off the song, but yeah. I was like, yo, automatically, this is now my number one favorite song ever, I think. That's awesome. Yeah. Because I am, like I said before, I'm a sucker for simplicity. Yes. And just a sweet melody. And oh my gosh, like that song really, um, it's like, Oh, it touches me like unlike any other song I'd say. Yeah. Um, and I don't really know. I can't pinpoint why. Um, but 
yeah, that's how uh, I found that song was just I was trying to uh, I was going through old songs, old playlists. And my friend said Guster and I yeah. listened to it. But so did you ever figure out what song it was? You know, in the end of that story, um, I gave myself the go ahead because we couldn't find it. Yeah. Um, if anything, it's pro- it could be a mix of something, and I think sure. like the song "Dreams" by Cranberries. Okay. Yeah. Very slightly like that. Like it's okay. like kind of like that, but then the second half is like probably something else. You know. Yeah. So I'm I gave gonna... myself the green light to just do it. Just I'm do like, it. it sounds great. I've yeah. looked for hours. I gave it my best shot. This yeah. song bets. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm going to, now I got to go back and listen to it. Cause we're going to talk about it in a minute, but, um, cause now I want to see if I can hear something in there and go, cause it's kind I, of like even reminded me of a like Sydney Lopper or something. Okay. Like I'll try to right. be myself too. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's funny. Cause like not so much when I've written songs, but like I've definitely had that thing before where you get a melody in your head and you're like, what is it? And you just start going through so many songs and people are suggesting, is it this? Is it this? And it's just like the most painful experience. <laughs> like really? when you can't figure it out, you're just like, ah, and you, you know, like if it, you at least get like lyrics that come to mind, then you can start Googling things. But when it's just a melody and you can't pinpoint lyrics that go with it. Oh man. It's one of my, least favorite life experiences it, i think <laughs> it was very funny because i was like here's i was like it's got to be uh 85 to 2004 those right. are our years I'm like, it's got to be somewhere in there I like, like it. <laughs> it's a 20 year window but figure it out yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i like it i like it um so with those two songs um is there like would you say uh, is there any sort of influence that you hear coming out in your music with those two uh, specific bands? I mean, I think for sure. Um, Cause when I was going to say with pinback, like I feel like there's a similarity in, I guess how you construct melodies, vocal melodies, at least with that specific song. I didn't dive deep enough into pinback to be able to say, yes, I can hear this across, but, but that specific song and the songs we're going to talk about, there's, kind of like i really like how you write almost like slow weaving melodies if that makes sense like you really let the melody sit in the song and i mean part of that plays just through how you know your records are mixed as well and you know the kind of sonic atmosphere you're you're creating but how it's not like uh, how do i explain it like I think slow and weaving might be the best <laughs> description I can come up with where it just winds its way through the song. Um, and you mentioned with give, like not really having many, if any choruses on it, like um, even on this record on Marlowe, when there are the choruses, they're not like these big, like, Oh, this is the chorus immediately. Right. And it's more like you are pulling us through a song or the band is pulling us through a song from start to finish because you want the listener to experience the whole song, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, um, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> uh, like, with, uh, yeah, well, the melodies and, like, what Pinback really influences me is, like, the repetitiveness. Mm. And, like, that's one thing that I think I love about songwriting 
is, uh, and I think is uh, incredibly very well flexed on Marlo is like, yeah, I'm just going to do it again. I'm just going to sing that line again. Or like, I'm just going to yeah. say that word again. Like, you know, it's just like, so how many different like ways can you play with the concept of repetitiveness? There's right. so many different ways within melody, within words, within beats and guitar parts and like all the different parts. So that's, I think, the biggest attribute that they bring to the table in our songwriting. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as their melodies are just sweet. Is you know he's not going, he's not overextending himself at all. Yeah, which is also a ties. That's also why I love um, uh, Satellite, and that's also why I love Elliot Smith. You know, yes, yeah, he's singing where he's supposed to be singing. Yeah. And where it feels comfortable, it kind of just falls out. It kind of yeah. just lays it down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's no, it's a great description. Like, um, and, and I, it's, it's interesting to hear that kind of approach. Cause obviously like with Pinback and with Guster, uh, and like Guster and Elliot Smith specifically, like typically you're hearing those songs in a little more, uh, like laid back kind of approach right like obviously guster with being mostly driven by acoustic guitars and stuff like that same with elliot smith at different times and and so they like contrast that with essentially loud guitars big loud guitars that you guys have um and you know like obviously you're not really like a fast band but you can feel that energy in the music especially like i think it translates really well uh live just from what i can gather from watching some stuff on youtube um so it's it's really interesting to hear that kind of dynamic where it's these really easy melodies like you say uh singing where you're supposed to be singing not overextending yourself and not like getting up there live i did notice there's a couple lines here or there where you might like yell them a little more than oh, yeah. you know kind of sing them uh, but that's also, that's great too, because obviously the live experience is supposed to be different and there is a different energy in the room than there is when you're crafting those songs as a band or recording them in the studio. But um, why don't we get into the two songs that you uh, decided to bring? And uh, they both come off, which the record we've talked about a fair bit here with Marlo. Actually, real quick, before getting into the two songs, I did want to ask, so can you give a little bit of background on A, the name of the record? Um, and B, the artwork for the album? Okay. Um, well, we were in uh, Colorado when we were just like, when we were recording, and the general ideas while we're there creating it is like, what's this record going to be? Mm-hmm. You know, like, what, what world can we create? Mm. Like, with these weird songs, I say weird because they're just a little foreign to us. They're a little different. Like I said, a little poppy, a little quirky. Um, And more honestly, a little bit more shoegazy. And uh, the last few records of ours um, releases, we've really utilized photography and always have. And um, but so my number one thing, and uh, my guitar player, Wyatt, he uh, is a graphic designer and has a huge hand in everything we put out visually. Mm-hmm. Um, and so w- he was asking me these questions. We're talking about it. And I was just like throwing out uh, descriptive words that were, I was like, okay, the first word is, and I know this is like general. I was like, 
it's got to be bold. Yeah. It's got to be bold. And then he's like, okay. And then, I, and then I was like, also, I think it should be drawn and look like it was made with hands. You know, I don't want it to be a photo this time. And if it is, we got to like bring in a even more natural approach to it. And then, um, and then in the coming days while we're there, I said, I, the new word was abstract. Like I want it to be abstract, bold. And, uh, and then like the next thing after that was straight up like red, blue and cream. Yeah. That's what we picked. And like my favorite colors, I love how red, blue and like black look together. Yeah. And I, always love cream compared to white like i love a look of an aged pick guard you know yeah yep so that's that's those are the parameters that i set with this dude wyatt (laughs) in my (laughs) band i was like i was like these are the words i'm throwing out there and uh and i gave a couple um i sent him a few records so one of them was uh i think uh it's like a King Cruel record, the brand new King Cruel record. It's like a hand drawn, like chalky, pasty dude with like a big hand and a big foot, very uh, goofy. Okay. Um, and I was like, something like that. So that's so that's uh that's how we kind of came up with that. But while we were um, creating the record and like all the single artwork and everything, we came up with like. Uh, six to eight different images. Uh, the initial one um, was actually a drawing of me that he did, a very abstract drawing with like arrows through my body. Hmm. And it's in the same uh, style as the cover of Marlowe. Right. Um, and that's going to be on the insert of the uh, vinyl that's coming out this next month. Oh, right on. Um, and then so, yeah, he drew up like pretty much like a picture book of everything in the same style, same abstractness and same colors. Um, and then also adding his touch of like, why like he, he does a specific thing with his art. And like, when you see something, it's like, yo, that's like a Wyatt thing. That's another mm-hmm. thing we were talking about it. I told him, I want this to be like something you've never done. I don't want it to be very specifically your art. Because uh, the art he does for clients, it's like they go to him for what he does, you know? Sure, yeah. Um, but I was like, so I want something very fresh. Uh, and, like, we were saying something natural, so no, like, I don't want it to look that digital. I want it to look like, you know, if anything, like, the textures we were going to use, let's use, like, chalk and, like, pencils. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty much how we came together with that. And then uh, we... I just loved how like the image we ended up picking, it was just very like explosive mm-hmm. and it was like glowing. It was like, Oh my God. It's so it's like, it's focused and it's like, Whoa, like um, to me, like, it really hits my eye in a great way. And like, so when I saw that, I was just like, yo, like that could be it. That, that yeah. one, I could, I could live with that. And um, so we did that. And, uh, then to how we named Marlo, um, we were thinking about it for a while, and I was looking at the artwork that we had chosen, and um, 
I was thinking about the themes of the record, which I have it's actually on my wall up there. Uh, I wrote down a piece of paper. I wrote down the song of title of every song on the record. And then I just wrote descriptive words. What does a song mean to me? Mm-hmm. You know, and lots of it's like, oh, this one's nostalgic. This one's like um, content. And this one's like, you know, looking towards the future, like stuff like that. And then specifics, even names and stuff. And uh, so that's how I like brainstormed into this, how I'm going to name this record. And then it kind of just hit me. I was just like, uh, and I wanted it to be fun. I wanted it to be fun and catchy. And I was even thinking, I was like, I want it to be like a made up word almost. I want it to be something new, like, like blur blur or like something super <laughs> goofy and lighthearted, but that yeah. could be taken in uh, emotionally like uh, weighted. But then I was just thinking. And uh, so my grandma, who had <laughs> a huge, na- uh, huge part in raising me, her email address is uh, Marlo at Cox.net. <laughs> and um there's something else in her email address so people don't email her. yeah i was gonna um, say i was gonna say let's just not drop your grandmother's email address but <laughs> so uh it's it's a marlo at cox.net and um her name is marlene lopez okay and yeah so and then i was thinking about it a lot because the first song on the record and i don't want to dip too much into the next couple questions but the first song a night in your head is about Marlene. It's about my relationship with her at that moment mm. completely. And then the end of the record, the last song is about Marlene right. and like what she's taught me. And the last clip on the whole record is Marlene talking. Right. My grandmother. And yeah. um, so it literally all just hit me pretty together. It hit all the boxes. I was like, yeah. oh my God. Like, there's this uh, female figure on the cover yep, yep. Um, holding up something glowing and like the, like the, it's sandwiched in by these two songs about my grandma and how much she's impacted my life. And uh, it ends with her voice and this word Marlo, her email address handle is mm-hmm. fitting the like catchy abstract thing that's going with the whole record. That's awesome. So, I think yeah, that's, that's what we do with that. Did you maybe you shared parts of that story on the like at the CD release show or the video I was watching? Because I feel like as you were going, I was like, oh wait, I think I think the name comes from I was thinking your mom, but your grandma, which is is pretty awesome. And Marlo, I like I like the the fact that like it reminds me of I don't know how much you're into you know like sports or whatever, but when athletes they'll give them like shortened you know nicknames that are shortened versions of their names or even i can i guess to another extent like j-lo um <laughs> you know so i was like it kind of has that whole whole vibe but I, I assumed it was someone's name but i was unsure yeah if it was like okay so it sounds like a name or could be a name and i was wondering if the person on the cover was supposed to be who it was but that's kind of really neat how it all sort of ties together but, so uh, um, yeah. another thing how you said it you thought it was my mama so my mom passed away when I was a mm. child. I was eight years old. Yeah. And um, all of the last record, every metaphor and significance to all of that artwork is all like secretly dedicated to my mom. Oh, man. And uh, so that's what Give was for me. 
Yeah. Um, I, I kind of like got that off my chest after all these years. And I wanted to create a piece of art, like surrounding like my memories of her. And um, so then when it came to this, like it really just all, like I said, all clicked at once. I was like, the first one's about, like who I was and like what I remember and like my mom, like the most important lady in my life. But then really it's like my grandma who put on the freaking shoes and raised me mm-hmm. and like really made me the person I am. Uh, this one's for her. So it's like, kind of goes like, it's like the mom record and the grandma record. Yeah, no, that's awesome. So let's get into, you, you briefly mentioned one of the songs that you picked, which is uh, a night in your head.
it's the opener on the record. Why? And you said it, you said it's about your grandmother. So why why is this one of the songs that you picked? Kind of because the idea was to pick a couple songs to sort of introduce the band to potentially new listeners, right? Like um, that kind of either sum the band up or it could just be one of your favorite songs that you've written. Doesn't matter. But I, I'm just curious to know why why you picked this one in particular. Um, you know, I picked this one because it has solid meaning, you know, it has solid meaning. And like, when I was writing this song, I was like, I was like, I'm writing this song about my grandma Mm -hmm. compared to like other songs on the record. Like, um, maybe they're a little bit more scatterbrained right? or they're a little bit more less focused and they're more abstract. Uh, So this one is just like, Oh, I could like, tell you what the song is about i could tell you line by line if i wanted to yeah yeah um but it's yeah it's a it was truly just a picture of my relationship with my grandma at that exact time and it was kind of a moment when i was like uh i was living with her and we had a good thing going on i was just like i'm gonna stay and live here with you as you enter in your uh your old age because she's yeah. 85 and yeah. um you've been so supportive of me and just like you know that's like the, what i was channeling i was just like really going in on what i have what i my connection to this lady and why it's so important to me mm-hmm. um yeah and every line like there's no diversion of um a focus on the song so that's yeah that's why i picked it um yeah. So when it comes to lyrics, uh, is that something that you is what's coming first, or is that something that kind of comes after the music? It, I would say, it comes like v- very immediately after the music. Like I need a couple chords at least mm. to get my mind yeah. flowing. So yeah, it's like, what does this, uh, what does this progression like make me feel? You know? Yeah. But then we can't. I can't move on without no understanding what that is yeah so i have to figure that out um and it usually happens pretty fast it's like oh i like these chords why do i like these chords Mm -hmm. okay put them on loop and like let's see where i and i'll start even talking gibberish like i'm like la di da di da and then you know it'll just kind of start to chisel away at itself yeah and until there's kind of just these ideas going through my head. Like, so um, I'd say they're together in the same. Yeah. So when you, this song in particular, when you sat down to write it, were you thinking, I want to write a song about my grandma or was it like, that's just sort of what started coming out as the words started to come? So actually it didn't exactly start immediately about her. Um, I literally, I really like. I really like the two first words, I'll try. Okay. And I always go back to these words and I'm always like, oh, don't use them. Like, I'll try. <laughs> like, but then this one I was like, I was like, okay, if I'm going to use it, make it like, make this melody stick. You know what I mean? So I was like, I'll try to. And then I was like, I don't know. What, what, what am I trying to do? Like, that, that's what I asked myself. And it's like, I was like, I'll be myself. That, that's the next line. Like, I'll try to be myself to move things on. And I was literally talking about writing a song. Okay. I'm like, I'm going to be myself to write this song and just let it flow out. Yeah. 
And um, so then the next line, like, uh, let me think. Be myself for you, dear. And that's me talking about my grandma because literally it's like I'm in the downstairs of my grandma's house mm-hmm. while she's upstairs. While I like realize I'm thinking about like, why am I here? What am I doing? And it's like, yo, I just want to make this lady proud of me mm. and like do something with my music. And like, uh, I'm like an investment to her. Like, <laughs> you know, yeah, like yeah. I'm an investment to her. Let's make, I want to like really do good by her. Cause she's like done so much for me. I just want to like, let her know that like, I'm, I'm doing this thing. I loved. I'm actually really trying to, uh, make something of it. You know, does, does she know, about the songs and that you named the record after her? She doesn't know um, super deep into, like, the songs. I don't know. I'm not sure if she's heard this record yet. Yeah. But she does know the album is named after her. That's cool. I gave her a poster that says Marlo on it, like, very big. Yeah. And um, I was waiting to give her the vinyl mm. because I gave her a vinyl record of our last record. Yeah. And I was going to give her the vinyl of this one, but my uh, sister-in-law spilt the news to her because she thought it was so sweet and i was like i was like no i wanted to just give her the record (laughs) yeah 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 that's funny so your grandmother just sit at the turntable spinning records all night (laughs) (laughs) you know she uh you know it's funny we have so many old radios that like i said her brother had refinished that like do spin stuff but she's not spinning (laughs) yeah yeah. (laughs) that's fair uh the other song that you brought off of this record was the song stadium cinema
so I noticed I was when I was watching the program Skate and Sound Show that I mentioned earlier. Um, is this song in an open tuning? Do you play a lot of songs in open tunings? I just noticed there's a few points in this song where you're just like open strumming the strings. Uh, is that something you do very often? Yeah, I uh, I created a Ridgeway tuning. <laughs> right on. Tell me about it. So, um, I mean, it's uh, it's it's similar to open D, but it's not okay. open D. Yeah. And I uh, I looked up a few years ago before I wrote Give the record. Uh, yeah. I was like, oh, open tunings. Um, I looked up American folk tunings. Sure. Yeah. And so I found a few and I tried a few out and I found one. I was like, yo, okay, now let me just like twist a knob. Let me just twist a string out of whack. Right. <laughs> and like, so like I, I turned the, uh, like, yeah, like the, the F to F sharp and the C or the, the B string to C sharp. Okay. People, yeah. Like, uh, uh, that one gets really tightened yeah. and, uh, <laughs> It just like, and like maybe before I twisted it a different direction, but then I just twisted it. I was like, till I was like, I want to strum open and it sound perfect. Right. And so the, I kind of just use my ear with those strings. Um, and uh, yeah, I got it. I, I made the Ridgeway tuning, which so is a. Uh, when you say like, so, cause you said you turn, you tune the B string up to a C sharp. So do you, is that what you said? Yeah, that's what you said. Yeah. So do you have to, like, are you just using a standard set of strings or do you alter them at all to kind of like, um, I guess, kind of like compensate for the fact that, oh, this string is going to be tuned a little tighter than maybe it's used to. So maybe I'll use a lighter gauge string. Um, no, but I have found my perfect set of strings. <laughs> oh, there you go. So what is what is that perfect set of strings? I love uh, Diodario NYXL optimized for drop d tuning okay uh it's like the green pack the black and green pack there you go um well since we're talking about strings what kind of uh i mentioned earlier we'll get into this song again in a minute because actually i think this song made me think about it too but uh i mentioned earlier you know guitars that are just like soaked in reverb and delay and that kind of stuff do you have any like pedals guitar like effects pedals that you're like this is my my baby or you know like that one that's just always on yeah um it's my secret weapon it's a uh, it's a transparent like boost that is uh it's the walrus emissary mm. and i i probably would not even feel comfortable playing electric guitar without this pedal on it's i essentially just an eq pedal right and uh, i had a transparent boost that uh, broke on t that tour last year or two years ago the mm -hmm. big one yeah. and um went uh, we were in nashville and we went to like i think it's like east side music supply and it's a really cool shop we had some friends that worked there and i was like yo what do you guys got for uh transparent boost pedals i mm -hmm. need one yeah um so something that makes my guitar loud but doesn't affect the tone. Mm -hmm. um, and he's like, well, we just got this. It's like an EQ pedal. Go ahead and give it a try. And it just has two knobs, and it says mid and bright. <laughs> and, well, uh, simple. and it has a switch that goes between uh, two frequencies. It's like, oh, you're in this neighborhood or yeah. this neighborhood. Yeah. And so, yeah, that pedal 
super crucial to my guitar playing. My uh, producer, Corey, he even, I'm pretty sure he's used that pedal on every record he's made since. He bought his own. Mm. Because I'm, and I'm just like, yo, this is the secret. This is like, this is amazing tone. You put, like, you can put me on any amp, and as long as I have my emissary, I can yeah. get in a good sparkly neighborhood. That's awesome. Because I, I will say, like, um, especially on Marlowe, the the guitar tones are just like it just it sounds so nice do you know what i mean like you turn it on and i mentioned earlier you know like kind of that sonic soundscape that you're building and i love when a record when a band focuses and kind of intentionally does that i mean there's obviously I, i've bands probably focus and intend to do it more so than i'd give them credit for but you know sometimes it just feels like oh did they just show up in the studio plug their guitars in that's the way it is let's go versus you know, like actually getting up there, hitting record and going like setting those sounds, those tones and wanting to build an experience from the start of the opening track to the end of the closing track and just making it all sound awesome. Because <laughs> like you know? that's the first thing that jumped out to me, like putting it on. You mentioned like kind of some shoegaze stuff uh, a little bit earlier. And I'm like, dude, this sounds like like shoegaze but mixed with like some post-hardcore emo and just like you know it's got some poppy really catchy melodies there's just so much going on that ties the whole package together and i think a big part of that is just that breathability i guess maybe of of the guitar tones so well it's you know it's so funny because like I, I don't even i feel now like uh i don't even care about tone like <laughs> which is like it's because when we started this band, we were such tone heads. Mm-hmm. We were so like, I, we put tone before songwriting. Oh, funny. You know, so that's <laughs> yeah. how this band started. It was like just building, building, building pedal boards and buying new amps and heads and Craigslist and c- continuing to uh, like, we're chasing the beast here. Right. That is like a pure thing that we, that's how we grew together as musicians but to, particularly me and Wyatt, our other guitar player, um, to the point where now, when someone new comes to the table, like you checking out the record, mm-hmm. and they're like, oh my god, like your tone, and like it's so well thought out, and it's like, no, dude, I thought about this like <laughs> years ago, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Like, like that is such a second thought, um, but I appreciate the compliment. Yeah, like and so... Like, I mean, from that though, I kind of gather almost that like you found your tone and that's just that, like you're not, you know, and, and in that sense, you don't have to go into each and every recording session or each and every show and be, you know, uh, fine tuning the knobs a little bit because you just kind of, you found what works, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, uh, my, like, so when we were with Corey, I, he has an amp that's my favorite amp and it is a vintage uh 1976 or 77 um uh fender princeton yeah and it might be 77 because that's the drip drip edge um but so automatically that's my favorite amp i recorded the whole album on it and i recorded all of give on it it's perfect fender sparkly tone yeah and uh i brought a few pedals with me to this one to this recording session and uh it's funny because He's like, pick a few pedals that you think you might be able to ride through on this record with. I was like, okay, let's get a delay. Let's get blah, blah, blah. Let's get a chorus. Um, 
and, and my emissary. And here's this, uh, the slow reverb that I love. And I brought it and my fuzz, my boss fuzz. Yeah. And, uh, so he was twisting some knobs. He's like, here, just play around. I'm going to play around with it. And then, so he was like testing out some tones and twisting some stuff up. And he's just like, here, you, uh, you, uh, you set some stuff. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. And I just like went down to the ground and strummed a chord. And then automatically I'm like this here, this here, this here, like that. And I was like, and I, actually I do my, I do my delay like this. And then, like when I when I popped up, Corey was just laughing because he's just like, "Dude, you just know, yeah, it's no question, yeah." And I was just like, "I I didn't, I didn't even think about how that's funny and how a huge part of his job is helping bands create their sound, you know, right? And yeah. like do this, but I just like it's like a muscle, right? Like if it doesn't feel like I'm wearing a comfortable pair of pants." It's not gonna. I'm not gonna be able to walk around all day. You know what sure. I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, is there is there much in the way of, you know, between songs or even different parts of songs, like turning pedals on and off, or is it just kind of like you set your sound by combining, you know, a certain number of you know reverb, delay, distortion, and all this stuff, and then that's it basically for start to finish for you when you're playing songs, or or is there kind of the oh this part needs you know, I'm going to turn the delay on, but then turn it back off and this and that. Well, with Marlo and like give was all over the place. So give, there's a lot of switches. Right. Um, and like two pedals off one pedal on type, uh, yeah. transitions. Yeah. But like I said, like, I was like, I don't even care about tone. Like yeah, yeah. I, I literally, we would get there and he'd be like, all right, what's the sound for this one? I'd be like, dude, the guitar sounds so good. Just going through the amp. Yeah, <laughs> and he would be like, "Dude, no, we gotta put a little something on it, even a little." And that's like, uh, like stadium cinema. Like, it sounded so good, just a clean Fender through mm. a Fender. Yeah. Um, like for those opening chords, but it's like, okay, well, here, let's click the emissary. The emissary yeah. gives it that like nice warm boost. Yeah. Um, that just makes it sparkle, and then. My other uh, secret weapon is uh, the Boss Wazacraft um, C1 chorus. Okay. And uh, how I set it is I turn it on and I turn both the knobs to zero. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And so it's literally just the slightest warble. Yeah. Well, that, but that's for the longest time, I was so turned off by chorus pedals because all i could hear was like you know that clean tone on you know like guns and roses records or just like that clean tone for like 80s hair metal and i was like i I hated it right obviously like come as you are is just soaked in chorus but um and a lot of kurt's clean tones were soaked in chorus but for the longest time i was like i don't i don't like it and then actually listening to the album peripheral vision by turnover and I watched like uh, I think his name is Austin. I could his rig rundown. Yeah, and he just yeah. talked about like this chorus pedal he had, and he just like clicks it on and starts playing. I was like, "That's the sound!" Like that's what because when when it came on the first time I listened to it, I was like, "What is it about this record that I like so much?" And I couldn't pinpoint that it was specifically his chorus pedal that was like just turning me on to the record. And then from there, I was like, "Yeah, the the whole." point the whole 
thing that I love about chorus is just what you just said there like just that like almost like a tape warble right like it's like yes you're listening to an old cassette or whatever and it's got a bit of a warp to it or you know like or your turntable is not quite you know running up to speed and it's got this little you know it's it's fluctuating in and out and so there's this just this effect to it and so uh yeah when you said warble there it's like that i've used that word so many times trying to describe to people I'm like this no this is what i want in a chorus pedal because not all of them really necessarily give you that or give it to you give it in a usable manner i guess maybe is the word i'm looking for i don't know but that's great i love it i love it so and that, um, and that rig rundown is great too <laughs> uh, yeah I, I was gonna say we're we just became best friends because yeah. <laughs> let me even throw it back is uh when i saw that video yeah i was like yo that's the first time i ever heard about a rolling jazz chorus right the amp and he yeah. and he see that dude Austin's a very simple guy. Yeah. He's just like, he's like loud, clean. It works. That's yeah. all he says about it. Yeah. So I I was in the city of like, yo, you need like super high wattage tubes to get loud, clean tone. Yeah. Um, that's the world we are living in. And Fender, we we're going through heads and amps, like, um, and they would always break because they're tubes, and we tore and we're stupid. Um, right. Yeah. But uh, so yeah, I. I uh, got my got my own, a very rare one, actually, for very cheap. I got, like, the half-stack version of it mm. with the 120 head on the 4x12 a cab yeah. that oscillates between the speakers. And, um, yeah, I, I learned, I was like, okay, these vintage heads have, like, a very specific chip that's, like, a Roland chip from like the 60s and 70s mm-hmm. and if i set it slightly i think on that one it's like both my knobs at like uh like 11 p.m <laughs> like and right uh, yeah yep. that gives me the slightest warble on my amp and it's so loud i that's the best sound i love it i love my amp yeah but Corey hates Corey, my producer yeah hates jazz courses does <laughs> not like jazz courses <laughs> Just um, send him that video and make him watch it over and over again. <laughs> straight up. <laughs> but he, uh, so he hates jazz courses. So I was in this like neighborhood of like, how am I going to get this sound that I love and makes it feel like the comfortable pair of pants? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Like when I'm in Colorado, how am I going to do it? Cause I'm not thrilled on just straight up fender tone right. um, anymore. Like I was. Um, so the, boss came out with the uh chorus pedal the Wazacraft, which is emulating it has that same exact chip in it yeah. that is built into my amp it's mm. in that pedal and i was That's like awesome. i am bringing this to colorado and roland owns boss so they're using the same parts it's legitimately the same thing yeah and that's freaking it man that, but that, that got me the sound out there that i needed and now I don't use the chorus effect on my amp anymore, right? Even though it's really badass because it's on my board and it's always on. Right there, you go. Um, real quick before we finish, we should talk about Stadium Cinema and why you picked it as. Uh, and maybe we covered it with that extensive talk about Guitar Gear. I have no idea, but why? Why did this song end up as one of the ones you picked? Honestly, kind of in the same uh, couple reasons, but the same vein as. Uh, a night in your head is that it's like about a specific thing. Mm. And like, it was about like, it, it, Oh, it was a love song, you know? 
Yeah. It's uh, when I wrote that song, I was like, I'm gonna write this love song about this uh, person in my life that I fell head over heels for, and it didn't work out. Yeah. And it was as simple as that, and like that is uh that I would I was well, I was scared of writing a love song. But I was thinking about it. I was like, I freaking love love songs. Yeah. Like, why am I not able to, like, push myself to do that? So Stadium Cinema, like, oh, I think it just fell out in the right way because I feel like I actually had the emotions at the time to just, like, spill it out, you know? Yeah. And I used them, and I wrote the song, and it's very uh, concentrated. And it's very optimistic, the whole um, the whole song. but the, And, like, while I was writing this song, I was like, really connecting with this person and growing and getting closer and then in the end like um it didn't work out and like while i'm writing this song the last line is just like whatever <laughs> yeah like yeah. the last line is literally like oh whatever yeah <laughs> because like it happened and like the only way i was gonna get over it at that time was just like okay keep yeah. it moving and yeah. yeah so that's stadium cinema and i look back on it fondly and i've told the person that that song's about them and they love it so much and i'm really close to that person still that's cool so yeah really I, awesome i do love i think when you when you said that the oh whatever line do you do i think you do like kind of a little like vocal scoop thing on that is mm-hmm. that that yeah uh the first time i heard that i was just like oh what's what's coming because it kind of changes a little bit but what i love is that it's not like it just takes an entirely different direction, but it much like I said with, you know, kind of like the way, the way you work your melodies through songs, like you have a tendency to kind of pull the listener along. And sometimes it's just by like doing that thing, like you talked about being repetitive or whatever, like using that as, as kind of a, a way to pull some along. But that one right there, I loved it. Cause it almost feels like you're done. And then you kind of ramp it back up again to, to take us through to the end. It's pretty great. But speaking of taking us through to the end, this was a lot of fun. I'm glad we could uh, find out the time to do this, dude. Yeah, I uh, you're a cool guy, and like I really <laughs> like how I, I like how you uh, you ask questions and how you really went in depth about the record because not everyone does that, you know. Yeah, well, it's a it's a great record. Um, now after this conversation, I'm like, I want to go. I have a like a conflict going on in my brain right now because I want to go and listen to Marlo, but also hearing some of the things you shared about give, I'm like, but I want to listen to give cause I want to give it more of an opportunity. So now I've got this conflict, this inner conflict going on and I'm either going to be up way too late for work tomorrow morning, or I'm just going to have to make a decision. But, uh, yeah, no, this was, this was honestly so much fun. Um, I, uh, I look forward to hearing what you guys got, what you, what you got coming in the future. Hell yeah. I appreciate it. Man.